Welcome to the Perfecting Your Practice podcast, where we will talk about finance for the healthcare professional and medical practice owner. This series is brought to you by Bankers Healthcare Group, the leader in financing solutions for healthcare professionals. Since 2001, BHG has worked with more than 100,000 licensed practitioners to help them reach their financial goals. Perfecting Your Practice is designed to talk about ways you can invest in your career and practice in order to set yourself up for success. Now here's your host, Keith Grubel, Senior Vice President at BHG. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Perfecting Your Practice for, presented by Bankers Healthcare Group. This is Keith Grubel, and I am back and joined once again by a couple of guests. Really excited to bring back in the room both Jessica Page, our in-house senior tax manager. Hey, Hi, Keith. Jess. How you doing? And Mr. Gene Marks, CPA writer, columnist, author, father extraordinaire. <laughs> Hello, Keith. <laughs> How Great doing? to be back. It's lovely to have you guys here. So I tend to stay more on the finance and sales side of things. And so jumping into the accounting terms for me was a learning process earlier on in my career. And today, as healthcare professionals look at the changing financial landscape, I find myself having to explain what we appear to be simple terms, things like what a, an alternative lender is, or what an MCA is, a merchant cash advance, or what does fintech really mean and who defines it? Um, what is SBA and how does it apply to me? And going through all these different acronyms and names, I realized, you know what? I think there's a ton of them out there that apply to accounting and to finance that most healthcare professionals don't know. And chances are they're sitting in a room with one of you two brilliant folks or someone <laughs> like you, and they're hearing all these terms and they don't really know what it means. How is it coming across? So I figured it would be fun if we could just run around the table. And I wish I had a buzzer in here to kind of you guys tag in, but just to talk through some terms and figure out how they apply to the healthcare business and how they apply to business overall and how knowing these terms might help them kind of grow their practices a little bit or just understand finance a little better. So Keith, I have, I have to ask you, so you're like a sales guy. That's like, the, that's all. Mm -hmm. And you, you know some of these terms that we're going to talk about, right? I do. Yes. So how long did it take? This is not, this can't be too tough, it's right? It's not. What are you implying? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're a sales guy, right? Sales what guys. does that mean? Right. <laughs> um, it, it definitely isn't difficult. It's not challenging. I think it's more than anything the fear factor. And right. I'm a big believer in anything you're going to do, know it well, understand it through and through. I love what I do. I have a huge passion for finance. I don't consider myself as a salesperson as much as kind of a consultant and trying to help people through a difficult place. And a lot of times finance is a very scary thing and loans are a very scary thing. And right. I like to be able to teach people and kind of educate them, walk them through. And that's, I guess, if you'll call that my sales style, it's more that. It's more consultive and helping people understand what challenges are and let them know you're not the only one out there and walk them through it. So, yes, it isn't very difficult. I think it's more overcoming the fear. And I think the big thing, as we've mentioned before, is everybody doesn't like admitting something that they don't know and it's uncomfortable. And I'm a big student of life. I have no issue saying if I don't know something, I don't know it. And I'd rather ask the question than assume. So, right. I think that these terms are kind of relevant, especially when it comes to finance. So basically, the, but the takeaway is, is that, listen, guys, if you're a healthcare professional, you're in the healthcare field, if Keith can learn these things. <laughs> you can too. And you can too. That's exactly <laughs> right. Right? This is not too tough. You know, Gene. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, right I, in the kisser, just, Alice. <laughs> I thought when we were becoming friends. So I'm going to point all my questions at Jess now. <laughs> all right. Uh, Jess, Thanks, you said Gene. nothing but nice things, so I really appreciate you being here. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit. Um, so 
starting, this is an interesting one because even I at times get a little confused with accrual versus versus cash. Ooh. Yeah, let's get into the juicy ones. Yeah, I like that. So, um, so can I take this one first? Absolutely. Is that okay. So yep. you know, accrual versus cash is really um, people. People often ask me a very similar question, and I bet you, if you're listening to this now, have this question too if you're in your own business. You're like, you know what? My accountant told me I made all this money last year, and I don't have any. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that? And the answer is usually- Student loans. Yes, student (laughs) loans. (laughs) Or that weekend in Vegas, and I can only (laughs) remember half of it. Yeah, the answer is usually accrual versus cash, because uh, in the world of accrual, when you've actually performed a service and you've invoiced for that, it accounts as income, right? That's okay. how you record it in the world so you're of accruing you're income. Accruing income. And the gotcha. same thing with expense, like if you incur a cost and as soon as you know, even before you receive the invoice for it, when you've incurred that cost, it's supposed to be an expense. You're supposed to match your income with your expense. It has nothing to do with cash. So there were some companies that, you know, boy, I, I had a great month. I built out $10,000 worth of services, but their, their bank balance is still zero because they haven't been paid the $10,000 yet. That's what happens when you're on the accrual basis of accounting. Now, for much, much smaller companies, freelancers, and I forget what the cutoff is, Jess, but you are, most people are on the cash basis of accounting but at some point you grow to a stage where you need to train you know transition over to the accrual basis of accounting. it's required by the irs for your for your tax accounting so you know just bear in mind then that you know if if you don't if you're showing income from your accountant but you don't seem to have the cash in your bank it's probably because your accountant is using your books or doing your books on the accrual basis awesome jess anything to add to that, Does that make sense it yeah, absolutely. Well, of course it makes sense to you. What yeah. am I saying? You're an accountant, right? Does that make sense? Jessica's nodding in acceptance and like, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There we go. That sounds Keith, right. does that make sense to you? It does, actually. Good. I think that it breaking it down into the actual pure definition of the terms. If you're accruing the income, it might not be realized yet in your right. bank account, but you're accruing that income or that debt in that particular state of mind. Right. You know, one, one thing to remember, too, is... A lot of times at the end of the year, you might have a rush to say, oh, oh man, I'm going to get all these bills paid at the end of the, you know, they're January bills, but I'm going to pay them in December so I can take the deduction this year. Just check with your accountant before you do that. Because um, it, may, it may work, it may not. It depends on, you know, if your taxes are being reported cash or accrual. So before you rush all that cash out the door or rush all the invoices out the door, just just check in quickly and see, you know, what, uh, what method you're on. So you're talking deductions and write-offs, and I've heard often... I'm fortunate enough to be able to work a lot with the healthcare professionals that come in the door and see their loans on a day-to-day basis and speak with them about the businesses that are set up with them. And oftentimes, they'll have multiple corporations set up, some of them as in, I'm using air quotes here, pass-through versus a more of a brick-and-mortar set-up business. Define a pass-through. How does that help the professional? What what is that about? Sure. So pass-through is a a tax concept um, where you're running your business and it's a separate legal entity. It is a separate business. Um, it's you know it's got its own name and, and EIN, you know, tax ID number and things like that. Right. Um, however, every year when you when the year closes and you're going to report the income uh, that that business has earned, instead of reporting it at the company level and having a separate tax return um, or, or separate tax on the income at the company level, all of that activity actually passes through to your personal return. So mm-hmm. you are you are picking up gain, you know. Income, gains, losses, everything from that activity right on your personal 1040 um, at the end of every year. So it's slightly different. You know, you, you think corporations, you hear about corporate tax, things like that. Um, so it's, it's a 
it's a different type of setup that allows you to avoid tax at your company's level um, while you, you bring it all and pick it up on your own return. Perfect. And there may be, I guess, some tax benefits to... Absolutely. Um, especially with the tax reform you know, legislation that just went through, uh, there are some um, deductions that they're, they're giving you now for pass-through income. They've lowered the corporate tax rate. So there's a lot of interplay between the two types and deciding how to be set up. Uh, definitely, definitely talk to your tax advisor on that one. I know that you gave us some advice about that, Gene. Yeah, earlier. earlier. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I want to share with you. It's really great tax advice that was given to me. So let me share it with everyone else when it comes to tax reform, right, Jess? I mean, it was a big, big change to our taxes. So if you're listening to this, here's what I want you to do. I want you to talk to your accountant as soon as possible. And what I want you to do is I want you to take last year's numbers and I want you to ask your accountant to do this year's tax return using last year's numbers. I'm assuming there isn't going to be that big a difference year to year. And let your accountant figure out what your taxes would be owed. Now, they're going to do one other thing. If you are a pass-through entity, as Jess just, as, just described, ask your accountant to do the same exercise, but pretend that you're not a pass-through. You're a C corporation, a separate standalone corporation. Oh, and by the way, if you're a C corporation, ask your accountant to do the same exercise again, pretending that you are an S corporation. Why? Because let's face it, you don't know, your accountant probably doesn't really know which entity, which setup is better for you after all these massive changes in the tax laws. And the only way to really do it is by running the numbers. Mm -hmm. And if you determine that you're right now a pass-through and it seems like you could save more money by being a C-corporation, then make that change Absolutely. or vice versa. Yeah. So have them run it. And I think you would agree, Jess. I mean, it's not if you're a tax cap, that's not, this is not like you know, brain surgery here, right? It's pretty easy to do if you're. No, a yeah. There's there are a lot of complications that this this law brought in. There are um, some regulations that haven't been written yet, so there's definitely some questions out there. So you might get a little bit of you know a little bit of pushback, um, but you can run a baseline count without too much difficulty. Yeah, that's absolutely. Right. And by the way, don't um don't listen if your accountant says, oh, it's going to take me a couple hours to do or whatever. Do it. Up, yeah, do it and pay your accountant if you know if they have an hourly rate or fair yeah. enough because. Really, that small investment in an hourly rate for the accountant, I mean, could pay off many times over by taxes that you could save. Exactly. Awesome. Forgive the sounds. I'm literally taking notes on the stuff that I'm <laughs> learning here. This is great. So Jesse and I have to speak after this. Okay. No problem. <laughs> Um, it, I think that provides a lot of clarity for folks as far as how they could file, what they should be looking at, and what the potential pass-through means. I think it's a great idea to be able to just kind of always question the status quo and how you do things. I think in medicine you do it. Why not be doing it in your finances, right? Yep, exactly. Um, let's talk about balance sheets. A lot of times you'll ask somebody for a balance sheet, and you might get an income statement or vice versa. And I don't think there's a lot of clear differentiation out there as to which is each and what purpose they serve. Um, who wants to take it? Want to flip a coin? Um, I'll just a quick way I break this down for people typically. So your your income statement, you might also hear it called your profit and loss. Okay. Right? So yep, P and L, baby. P and L. Perfect. Yeah. So that is, you know, that's the snapshot of what you are doing at this period in time. And your balance sheet is more your cumulative history, right? So you've got, for example, your retained earnings account. What have you done since the inception of your business? Wow. Um, and that's what's sitting on your balance sheet, your current cash positions, things like that. But your P&L is really the, the nuts and bolts income and expenses. Makes sense. Yeah. And I also, I mean, look, sometimes I, I call and I, here I'm going to, we're going to confuse the audience a lot right now, but uh, <laughs> the balance sheet is, is, is also, I consider it to be like a snapshot. I mean, I also consider like, listen, give me my balance sheet as of March 31st. Boom. It is what it is. These are yeah. my assets. These are my liabilities. 
that's what I have. Point in time snapshot of my finances. Yeah. And like, for example, like your bank balance is one of the line items on your balance sheet. There are other assets like if you have any inventory, that would be, it's a listing of your inventory. That's an asset. You know, uh, if you have any kind of fixed assets, that goes on your balance sheet. If you owe people money, that goes on your balance Mm -hmm. sheet. So, but it's only at one point of time boom this is what it is and then just like you were saying and your your pnl is this cumulative right Right. during a period of time say from like january to march yep what were my revenues and what were my expenses and it's funny too because my my focus being tax the pnl i'm all about the pnl because that's what we have to put on the return this year that's right um but when you get into looking at things like you know going in for financing things like that you you know the balance sheet might come into play because they want to see well what do you already owe people what do you what do you what assets do you have already see now me just find that funny keith do you find that funny because i think it's very interesting because it gives you two different perspectives (laughs) okay you know and i think that's that's the whole thing is that you have multiple different ways to look at the same numbers right, right? Agreed. and that's i think what could become confusing is Agreed. well isn't it the same thing i'm looking at the revenue coming in i'm looking at the money going out what difference does it make at what point in time or what snapshot but it makes all the difference in the world like you said a profit and loss statement is really showing you that income for the year and what yep. you're generating and that again your income statement or your profit and loss statement and your balance sheet is talking about assets and equity and it's talking about where you are financially overall for and, the kind and of what do you look at when you're looking at a you know a prospective client that's looking for financing great what question you, so at? generally we're going to look at the prior two years worth of tax returns and then depending on where we are in the current year we might look for a profit and loss statement okay so if we see a continuation of income trends and we feel very comfortable with the customer which again after looking at healthcare returns for over 18 years we have a pretty good understanding of we don't even bother asking for a profit and loss statement we can move forward with it our goal is to be really easy and hassle-free though there are other times later on in the year where we're going to say you know what a profit and loss statement generally happens after june or so hmm. the profit and loss statement will help us substantiate any income are you as interested in a balance sheet because you're you're just talking profit and loss i'm not hearing that no um the balance sheet really isn't as much of interest for us it's all about the income statement it's all about watching the profitability and seeing how the money's flowing through the profit uh through the excuse me practice at that point in time and you know it's just and if i could gen- so generally though i mean you know bankers healthcare group doesn't you know it, when you talk about collateralization and assets and all of that it's generally not what you guys require my understanding is whereas traditional banks sometimes do and the reason why i bring that up is because if you are looking for financing with a more traditional bank you might find a traditional bank wanting to see your balance sheet correct so we don't take any hard collateral we don't require any hard collateral so it gives us flexibility in what we're looking at our goal in our financing options is to be as quick and hassle-free as possible so we look at the main financials and again we've done nothing but healthcare, so we get a really good perspective of what this looks like what the customer looks like at this point in time and we can make a pretty determination pretty quickly on whether we want to lend or not got it now you said assets and that's a good one because Mm. one of the things that we hear a lot about is short-term assets versus long-term assets Mm. let's talk a little bit about that jim what do you um how would you differentiate those two well i mean you know short-term first of all whenever you're short-term and long-term in the definition of accounting is something that's basically going to come due within a year Okay. okay, it's it's a one year versus more than one year kind of thing. So, uh, if you have a short term asset, somebody says, "Oh, what are your short term assets?" Right. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's accounts receivable is an asset. That's money that your that your customers or your patients, your clients, 
owe you, mm-hmm. um, and generally you're you're they're going to pay you hopefully, you know, <laughs> within the next month. If it's my business, it's probably six or seven months, but I don't even want to go there. So, but it's okay. It's still within a year, right? And right. So that's generally a short-term asset. Mm-hmm. However, if you um, have an asset that's like more of a piece of equipment or uh, even furniture and fixtures, a computer, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to have that for more than a year. So therefore, that's a long term asset. And the same thing happens on the liability side. Short-term liabilities are ones that you plan on paying back within a year and a long-term liability, for example, debt that you might own to, you know, a financial institution or Mortgage to a lender. Practice. Right. It might be due in three or five years or whatever it is. And so that's all a long-term asset. That's all. Awesome. I have no more words. That's, yeah, pretty that's good. pretty good. much perfect. Yeah. <laughs> pretty good. I nailed that one. Didn't I? Yeah, nailed I had awesome. A feeling. I had a feeling, perfect. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people look at uh, this next term and they it, it gets confusing because overhead can be misconstrued in a lot of different ways. A lot of people will think overhead includes my rent and my cell phone bill, my utility bills and my everything, my subscriptions to the magazines that are in the lobby and the coffee service and the water service. Other folks take overhead as just kind of the fixed monthly payments that are due every month or whatever appears on a a, uh, debt line. How would you define overhead overall when it comes to a business specifically? My thought generally is that it's every expense that's not an expense directly related to doing the business that you are in. So um, if you are a doctor, things that are very specific to you providing your services, mm-hmm. you know, those, everything else outside of that is is your overhead. I don't know if you see this, think of it the same way. I define overhead as um, Sam, Josh, and Leah, which are the names of my three kids. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much is it. Everything else is just variable expenses. Okay. <laughs> and let me tell you, it's pretty high. No, what just said is absolutely right. I mean, and, you know, I some people do consider it to be fixed, and some people do consider it to, to have a variable portion to it. But really, it's just it's the month-to-month cost that you need uh, to run your business, regardless of whether you have any clients or patients. Excellent. And we jump yeah. into that again from a finance perspective because looking at that overhead oftentimes will be calculated into your debt to income ratio, your debt service ratio. So looking at that versus what your income is or your revenue is, I should say, um, helps us understand how you'll be able to service the debts that you're borrowing. So again, very key terms, I think, that apply to any business, but very specific, especially when you're talking about the potential of getting a loan or, or kind of leveraging the business or really transitioning that business, buying a business or selling a business. These are all really key terms that you should have a good understanding, a little bit of a grasp on. Yeah. And I've got to say, that, I mean, and you're speaking, I mean, Keith, listen, this is what you do for a living. And this is, you know, this is a company that extends financing to, to businesses. Um, and you, these are the, you expect your prospective customers and clients to have a handle on these terms or at least to, provide you this information, I'd, right? I'd counter you there because I think most banks do. Okay. Most banks are going to expect somebody to know these terms. And we realize that the healthcare professional is really great at practicing healthcare. Right. And most people that are out there are tremendous clinicians and know exactly what they're doing and provide a great service to the community. And this is a little bit kind of missy to them. It's hard. It's that, that stuff that they don't really understand or not comfortable with. Mm. So we don't expect them to know it. We like to educate them on it. And I love that we're doing that here. I think that it helps give them a better perspective for me, the more important part is that we don't expect you to know it, but for your own knowledge, I think it's great for you to know it because these are the terms that you're going to want to know when you're growing your business sure. and when you're leveraging your business. And if you're looking to consolidate or acquire another practice, I think this is great stuff to kind of demystify the whole financial experience. And that's a lot about what these podcasts are about. It's not just perfecting the practice and growing it, but empowering with enough knowledge to be able to kind of move forward in your career and progress and grow it. And I think that you guys are adding such tremendous value in doing that. So I can't thank you enough for... Thank you. Once again, giving us all of this time so generously. 
Appreciate Absolutely, it. no problem. Awesome. Guys, well, I think that we've added a ton of value here, and I know that those are a lot of terms to digest and run through, but... There'll great be a test that, at the end of this podcast. There so. is a test coming up <laughs> right. very shortly on your screen. No, the great news is that you could always rewind us, pop back through it. We really suggest going back through these podcasts and kind of picking up one or two things. And I'd say to all the healthcare professionals listening out there, a lot of times this can feel overwhelming. Information comes at you from so many different places. Really try to take one or two things away from each of these podcasts. And if you could do that and apply it, that would be great. If you have any questions at all, please feel free to stop by bankershealthcaregroup.com or connect with me directly on LinkedIn. I'd be happy to walk you through any questions you have and help get you on that path to perfecting your practice. Thanks again, guys, for popping in, spending some time with us. I hope that this is adding value to all of you out there, and we look forward to speaking with you again on our next session. Thanks, Keith. Thanks, Keith. Have a great one. For episode notes and worksheets, please visit perfectingyourpracticetoday.com. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with your peers. Thanks for listening to the Perfecting Your Practice podcast, presented by Bankers Healthcare Group, the leading provider of financial solutions for healthcare professionals. To learn more about BHG's working capital loans, business startup loans, credit cards, and patient financing, visit bankershealthcaregroup.com.